Section fifty seven of Young Folks Treasury, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Young Folks Treasury, Volume Two, edited by Hamilton Wright, maybe. Section fifty seven Rustum, Part Two. Adapted by Alfred J. Church. All that day he traveled across the plain and came at sunset to the land of the magicians Just as the daylight was disappearing he spied a delightful spot for his night's encampment There were trees and grass and a spring of water and besides the spring there was a flagon of red wine and a roast kid with bread and salt and confectionery neatly arranged Rustum dismounted unsaddled his horse and looked with astonishment at the provisions thus prepared it was the meal of certain magicians who had vanished when they saw him approach of this he knew nothing but sitting down without question filled a cup with wine and taking a harp which he found lying by the side of the flagon sang the scourge of the wicked am i and my days still in battle go by not for me is the red wine that glows in the reveler's cup nor the rose that blooms in the land of delight but with monsters and demons to fight the music and the voice of the singer reached the ears of a witch that was in those parts forthwith by her art she made her face as fair as spring and approaching rustum asked him how he fared and sat down by his side the hero thanked heaven that he had thus found in the desert such good fare and excellent company for he did not know that the lovely visitor was a witch he welcomed her and handed her a cup of wine but as he handed it he named the name of god and at the sound her color changed and she became as black as charcoal when rustum saw this quick as the wind he threw his lasso over her head confess who you are he cried show yourself in your true shape then the witch was changed into a decrepit wrinkled old woman rustum cut her in halves with a blow of his sword the next day he continued his journey with all the speed that he could use and came to a place where it was utterly dark neither sun nor moon nor stars could be seen and all that the hero could do was to let the reins fall on his horse's neck and ride on as chance might direct in time he came to a most delightful country where the sun was shining brightly and where the ground was covered with green Rustum took off his cuirass of leopard skin and his helmet and let Raksh find pasture where he could in the fertile fields and lay down to sleep When the keeper of the fields saw the horse straying among them and feeding He was filled with rage and running up to the hero dealt him with a stick a great blow upon the feet Rustum awoke son of Satan said the keeper. Why do you let your horse stray in the cornfields? Rustum leaped upon the man and without uttering a word good or bad wrenched his ears from his head Now the owner of this fertile country was a young warrior of renown named Orlad The keeper ran up to him with his ears in his hand and said there has come to this place a son of Satan Clad in a cuirass of leopard skin with an iron helmet I was going to drive his horse out of the cornfields when he leaped upon me tore my ears from my head without saying a single word and then lay down to sleep again 
all had was about to go hunting with his chiefs but when he heard the keeper's story he altered his plan and set out to the place where he heard that rustum had been seen rustum as soon as he saw him approach and the great company with him ran to raksh leaped upon his back and rode forward Orlad said to him who are you what are you doing here why did you pluck off my keeper's ears and let your horse feed in the cornfields if you were to hear my name said rustum it would freeze the blood in your heart so saying he drew his sword and fastening his lasso to the bow of his saddle rushed as a lion rushes into the midst of a herd of oxen with every blow of his sword he cut off a warrior's head till the whole of Orlad's company was either slain or scattered Orlad himself he did not kill but throwing his lasso caught him by the neck dragged him from his horse and bound his hands now said he if you will tell me the truth and without attempting to deceive will show me where the white genius dwells and will guide me to where king kaus is kept prisoner then i will make you king of mazanderin but if you speak a word of falsehood you die it is well said orlad i will do what you desire i will show you where the king is imprisoned it is four hundred miles from this place and four hundred miles farther a difficult and dangerous way is the dwelling of the white genius it is a cavern so deep that no man has ever sounded it and it lies between two mountains twelve thousand genii watch it during the night for the white genius is the chief and master of all his tribe you will find him a terrible enemy and for all your strong arms and hands your keen sword your lance and your club you will scarcely be able to conquer him and when you have conquered him there will still be much to be done in the city of the king of mazanderin there are thousands of warriors and not a coward among them and besides these there are two hundred war elephants were you made of iron could you venture to deal alone with these sons of satan rustum smiled when he heard this and said come with me and you will see what a single man who puts his trust in god can do and now show me first the way to the king's prison rustum mounted on raksh and rode gaily forward and orlad ran in front of him for a whole day and night he ran nor ever grew tired till they reached the foot of mount asperus where king kaus had fallen into the power of the genie about midnight they heard a great beating of drums and saw many fires blaze up rustum said to orlad what mean these fires that are blazing up to right and left of us orlad answered this is the way into mazanderin the great genius arzeng must be there then rustum went to sleep and when he woke in the morning he took his lasso and fastened orlad to the trunk of a tree then hanging his grandfather's club to his saddle-bow he rode on his conflict with arzeng the chief of the army of the genie was soon finished as he approached the camp he raised his battle cry his shout was loud enough one would have said to split the very mountains and arzeng when he heard it rushed out of his tent rustum set spurs to his horse and galloping up to the genius caught him by the head and tore it from the body and threw it into the midst of the army when the genie saw it and caught sight also of the great club they fled in the wildest confusion fathers trampling upon their sons in their eagerness to escape the hero put the whole herd of them to the sword and then returned as fast as he could to the place where he had left orlad bound to the tree 
he unloosed the knots of the lasso and bidding him lead the way to the prison house of the king set spurs to raksh orlad running in front as before when they entered the town raksh neighed his voice was as loud as thunder and the king heard it and in a moment understood all that had happened that is the voice of raksh he said to the persians that were with him our evil days are over this was the way in which he neighed in king kobad's time when he made war on the scythians the persians said to themselves our poor king has lost his senses or he is dreaming there is no help for us but they had hardly finished speaking when the hero appeared and did homage to the king gauss embraced him and then said if you are to help me you must go before the genie know of your coming so soon as the white genius shall hear of the fall of arzeng he will assemble such an army of his fellows as shall make all your pains and labor lost but you must know that you have great difficulties to overcome first you must cross seven mountains all of them occupied by troops of genii then you will see before you a terrible cavern more terrible i have heard say than any other place in the world the entrance to it is guarded by the warrior genii and in it dwells the white genius himself he is both the terror and the hope of his army conquer him and all will be well a wise physician tells me that the only remedy for my blindness is to drop into my eyes three drops of the white genius's blood go and conquer if you would save your king without any delay rustum set forth raksh carrying him like the wind when he reached the great cavern he said to orlad who had guided him on his way as before the time of conflict is come show me the way orlad answered when the sun shall grow hot the genie will go to sleep that will be your time to conquer them rustum waited till the sun was at its highest and then went forth to battle the genie that were on guard fled at the sound of his voice and he went on without finding any to resist him till he came to the great cavern of which the king had spoken it was a terrible place to see and he stood for a while with his sword in his hand doubting what he should do no one would choose such a spot for battle and as for escaping from it that was beyond all hope long he looked into the darkness and at last he saw a monstrous shape which seemed to reach across the whole breadth of the cave it was the white genius that was lying asleep rustum did not attempt to surprise him in his sleep but woke him by shouting his battle cry when the white genius saw him he rushed at once to do battle with him first he caught up from the ground a stone as big as a millstone and hurled it at him for the first time rustum felt a thrill of fear so terrible was his enemy nevertheless gathering all of his strength he struck at him a great blow with his sword and cut off one of his feet the monster though having but one foot leaped upon him like a wild elephant and seized him by the breast and arms hoping to throw him to the ground and tore from his body great pieces of flesh so that the whole place was covered with blood rustum said to himself if i escape today i shall live forever and the white genius thought even if i do deliver myself from the claws of this dragon i shall never see mazanderin again still he did not lose courage but continued to struggle against the hero with all of his might and so the two fought together the blood and sweat running from them in great streams at last rustum caught the genius round the body and putting out all his strength hurled him to the ground with such force 
that his soul was driven out of his body then he plunged his poniard into the creature's heart and tore the liver out of his body this done he returned to orlad whom he had left bound with his lasso loosed him and set out for the place where he had left the king but first orlad said to him i have the marks of your bonds upon me my body is bruised with the knots of your lasso i beseech you to respect the promise which you made me of a reward a hero is bound to keep his word rustum said i promise that you should be king of mazanderan and king you shall be but i have much to do before my word can be kept i have a great battle to fight in which i may be conquered and i must rid this country of the magicians with whom it is encumbered but be sure that when all is done i will not fail of the promises which i have made so rustum returned to king kaos and dropping the blood of the white genius into his eyes gave him back his sight seven days the king and his nobles feasted together rustum having the chief place on the eighth day they set out to clear the country of the accursed race of magicians when they had done this the king said the guilty have now been punished let no others suffer and now i will send a letter to the king of mazanderan and so the king wrote a letter in these words you see how god has punished the wrongdoers how he has brought to naught the genie and the magicians quit then your town and come here to pay homage and tribute to me if you will not then your life shall be as the life of arzang and the white genius this letter was carried to the king by a certain chief named Ferbad. when the king had read it he was greatly troubled three days he kept Ferbad as his guest and then sent back by him this answer shall the water of the sea be equal to wine am i one to whom you can say come down from your throne and present yourself before me make ready to do battle with me for verily i will bring upon the land of persia such destruction that no man shall be able to say what is high and what is low Ferbad hastened back to the king of persia the man he said is resolved not to yield then the king sent to rustum and rustum said send me with a letter that shall be as keen as a sword and a message like a thunder-cloud and so the king sent for a scribe who making the point of his reed as fine as an arrowhead wrote thus these are foolish words and do not become a man of sense put away your arrogance and be obedient to my words if you refuse i will bring such an army against you as shall cover your land from one sea to the other and the ghost of the white genius shall call the vultures to feast on your brains the king set his seal to this letter and rustum departed with it with his club hanging to his saddle bow when the king of mazanderan heard of his coming he sent some of his nobles to meet him when rustum saw them he caught a huge tree that was by the wayside in his hands twisted it with all his might and tore it up roots and all and then he poised it in his hand as if it were a javelin one of the nobles the strongest of them all rode up to him caught one of his hands and pressed it with all his might rustum only smiled but when in his turn he caught the noble's hand in his he crushed all the veins and bones so that the man fell fainting from his horse when the king heard what had been done he called one of his warriors 
Kalahour by name, the strongest man in his dominions, and said to him, Go and meet this messenger, show him your prowess, and cover his face with shame. So Kalahour rode to meet Rustem, and taking him by the hand, wrung it with all his strength of an elephant. The hand turned blue with the pain, but the hero did not flinch or give any sign of pain. But when in his turn he wrung the hand of Kalaour, the nails dropped from it as the leaves drop from a tree. Kalaour rode back, his hand hanging down, and said to the king, It will be better for you to make peace than to fight with this lion, whose strength is such that no man can stand against him. Pay this tribute, and we will make it good to you. Otherwise we are lost. At this moment Rustem rode up. The king gave him a place at his right hand, and asked him of his welfare. Rustem, for answer, gave him the letter of King Kaos. When the king had read the letter, his face became black as thunder. And then he said, Carry back this answer to your master. You are lord of Persia, and I of Mazanderan. Be content. Seek not that which is not yours. Otherwise your pride will lead you to your fall. The king would have given Rustem royal gifts, robes of honor, and horses, and gold, but the hero would have none of them, but went away in anger. When he had returned to the king of Persia, he said to him, Fear nothing, but make ready for battle. As for the warriors of this land of Mazanderan, they are nothing. I count them no better than a grain of dust. Meanwhile the king of the magicians prepared for war. He gathered an army, horsemen and foot-soldiers and elephants, that covered the face of the earth, and approached the borders of Persia. And on the other hand, King Kaos marshaled his men of war, and went out to encounter him. The king himself took his place in the center of the line of battle, and in front of all stood the great Rustem. One of the nobles of Mazanderin came out of their line with a great club in his hands, and approaching the Persian army, cried in a loud voice, who is ready to fight with me? He should be one who is able to change water into dust. None of the Persian nobles answered him. And King Kaus said, Why is it, ye men of war, that your faces are troubled, and your tongues silent before this genius? But still the nobles made no answer. Then Rustem caught the rein of his horse, and putting the point of his lance over his shoulder, rode up to the king and said, Will the king give me permission to fight with this genius? The king said, The task is worthy of you, for none of the Persians dare to meet this warrior. Go and prosper. So Rustem set spurs to Raksh, and rode against the warrior who had challenged the Persians. Here, he said as soon as he came near, your name is blotted out of the list of the living, for the moment is come when you shall suffer the recompense of all your misdeeds. The warrior answered, Boast not yourself so proudly, my sword makes mothers childless. When Rustem heard this, he cried with a voice of thunder, I am Rustem, and the warrior, who had no desire to fight the champion of the world, turned his back and fled. But Rustem pursued him, and thrust at him with his lance, where the belt joins the coat of mail, and pierced him through, for the armor could not turn the point of the great spear. Then he lifted him out of his saddle, and raised him up in the air as if he were a bird which a man had run through with a spit. This done, he dashed him down dead upon the ground, and all the nobles of Mazanderin stood astonished at the sight. After this, the two armies joined battle. The air grew dark, 
and the flashing of swords and clubs flew like lightning out of a thundercloud, and the mountains trembled with the cries of the combatants. Never had any living man seen so fierce a fight before. For seven days the battle raged, and neither one side nor the other could claim the victory. On the eighth day King Kaos bowed himself before God, taking his crown from his head, and prayed with his face to the ground, saying, O Lord God, give me, I beseech thee, the victory over the genie who fear thee not. Then he set his helmet on his head, and put himself at the head of his army. First of all, Rustum began the attack, charging the center of the enemy's army. He directed his course straight to the place where the king of Mazanderan stood, surrounded with his chiefs and the great host of elephants. When the king saw the shine of his lance, he lost courage and would have fled. But Rustum, with a cry like a lion's roar, charged him and struck him on the girdle with his spear. The spear pierced the steel and would have slain the king, but that by his magic art he changed himself before the eyes of all the Persian army into a mass of rock. Rustum stood astonished to see such a marvel. When King Kaus came up with his warriors, he said to Rustum, What is it? What ails you that you tarry here, doing no thing? My lord, answered Rustum, I charged the king of Mazanderan, spear in hand. I struck him on the girdle, but when I thought to see him fall from his saddle, he changed himself into a rock before my eyes, and now he feels nothing that I can do. Then King Kaus commanded that they should take up the rock and put it before his throne. But when the strongest men in the army came to handle the rock, or sought to draw it with cords, they could do nothing. It remained immovable. Rustum, however, without anyone to help him, lifted it from the earth, and carrying it into the camp, threw it down before the king's tent, and said, Give up these cowardly tricks and the art of magic, else I'll break this rock into pieces. When the king of Mazanderan heard this, he made himself visible, black as a thundercloud, with a helmet of steel upon his head, and a coat of mail upon his breast. Rustum laughed, and caught him by the hand, and brought him before the king. See, said he, this lump of rock, who for fear of the hatchet has given himself up to me. When Kaos looked at him, and observed how savage of aspect he was, with a neck and tusks of a wild boar, he saw that he was not worthy to sit upon a throne, and bade the executioner take him away and cut him in pieces. This done, he sent to the enemy's camp, and commanded that all the spoil, the king's throne and his crown and girdle, the horses and the armor, the swords and the jewels, should be gathered together. Then he called up his army, and distributed to them rewards in proportion to what they had done and suffered. After this he spent seven days in prayer, humbling himself before God, and offering up thanksgiving. On the eighth day he seated himself on his throne, and opened his treasures, and gave to all that had need. And thus he spent another seven days. On the fifteenth day he called for wine and cups of amber and rubies, and sat for seven days on his throne with a wine-cup in his hand. He sent for Rustum, and said, it is of your doing, by your strength and courage, that I have recovered my throne. Rustum answered, A man must do his duty. As for the honors that you would give me, I owe them all to Orlad, who has always guided me on the right way. He hopes to be made king of Mazanderan. Let the king, therefore, if it please him, invest him with the crown. And this the king did. 
The next day Kaus and his army set out to return to the land of Persia When he had reached his palace he seated himself upon his throne and sending for Rustum put him at his side Rustum said my lord permit me to go back to old man Zal my father The king commanded that they should bring splendid presents for the hero the presents were these a throne of turquoise adorned with ram's heads a royal crown set about with jewels a robe of brocade of gold such as is worn by the king of kings a bracelet and a chain of gold a hundred maidens with faces fair as the full moon and girdles of gold a hundred youths whose hair was fragrant with musk a hundred horses harnessed with gold and silver a hundred mules with black hair with loads of brocade that came from the land of Rum and from Persia After these they brought and laid at the hero's feet a hundred purses filled with gold pieces a cup of rubies filled with pure musk Another cup of turquoise fitted with attar of roses and last of all a letter written on pages of silk in ink made of wine and aloes and amber and the black of lamps by this letter the king of kings gave anew to rustum the kingdom of the south then kaus blessed him and said may you live as long as men shall see the sun and the moon in heaven and may the great of the earth join themselves to you may your own soul be full of modesty and tenderness rustum prostrated himself upon the earth and kissed the throne and so took his departure End of Rustum An End of Young Folks Treasury Volume 2 Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe